Hello, friends, and thank you for joining Christ Church Online. We are in week three of our Advent series, Do You Hear What I Hear? And this week we are led by our senior pastor, the Reverend Dr. Jared Ott, who will be preaching on the carol, Angels We Have Heard on High. Next week is Christmas Eve, and we wanted to make you aware that we have different service times for that day. On Sunday morning, December 24th, we will have our services of Lessons and Carols at 10 a.m. that is in both the Sanctuary and Wilson Hall. Then in the evening, we will gather at 5, 6.30, and 8 p.m. for our Christmas Eve services. We will hold our 5 and 8 o'clock services in Wilson Hall, and at 6.30, we will have a candlelight communion service in the Sanctuary. Please be sure to check out ccgf.org slash Christmas to get all of that information and more. Now, here is Pastor Jared with this week's message. Thank you for listening. Wasn't that music fantastic this morning? It's it's amazing, amazing. Thank you, choir. Fantastic. Our musicians, Pastor Marcus. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, we thank you that we can sing your praises here this morning. Lord, that we can sing with children, we can sing with choirs, we can sing with instruments, Lord. We can sing praising your name because you've asked us to make a joyful noise, Lord. So we thank you. I thank you for the gifts and talents that you've given these folks here. Lord, I thank you that we can look at your word as well as we look at some of those great songs we sing at Christmas time. As we look specifically at angels we have heard on high, we thank you. And Lord, we thank you for your word. You speak to us so much in your word about how to live this life as we go about our days, go about this life that you've given to us. Lord, I pray that you speak to us now. I pray that my lips are your lips, my heart is your heart, and that you impress upon us the message you want us to hear this morning. And then we aren't just hearers of the word, but we'll be doers of it as well. And I ask all this in your precious name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, just let me encourage you this week, this great music that we've had here. We want to encourage you next Sunday. It's going to be fantastic in the morning. I know Pastor Marcus and our orchestra have prepared great things for us next week to be able to sing praises. And next week, we're going to continue in that series, Do You Hear What I Hear, as we look at the Magi. And John Guest is going to be here talking about that great song, The First Noel. And then Christmas Eve night, again, a fantastic evening. Come on back out for that because it's going to be a great candlelight service as we celebrate communion together. Lots of great Christmas songs. I know what's going to happen here next Sunday night. And so you want to be here. You want to be here early. And you want to bring some folks with you as we look at that great song, Silent Night. And then again, Sunday morning, Oh, Come All You Faithful, as John gives the word again. It's fantastic to be in this series. Do you hear what I hear? As we look at those great songs, and that's why we have filled these services with, with worship songs, Christmas carols, because we're singing them, aren't we? Anyway, aren't we? You know, last week we looked at Mary, Did You Know? Ed Glover was here talking about Mary's, uh, uh, Mary's song. What did Mary really know what was happening when the angel came to her? The week before, we looked at O Little Town of Bethlehem, and we looked at the great prophecy from Micah, Why Bethlehem? What's the meaning? And this week, we look at Angels We Have Heard on High. Why the announcement? Why the, the big announcement? You know, birth announcements are big, aren't they? This was a big one. I think all of us can remember when we uh, told our family or friends, uh, if any of us had children, about uh, the fact that we were pregnant. I know many of us can probably pinpoint that, or you remember maybe recently some family have told you about a great birth announcement. I remember announcing to my family uh, when, we had had our, when we were pregnant with our son and, the, and the, 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 the conversation that happened, the excitement about all the great things that were going to come with having a, having a child. And then I remember... 
specifically for us, we were able to announce my daughter's um, birth, uh, that we were pregnant on my son's birthday. So on our first, his first birthday, our family and friends there, and we said the only thing we got for our son was a sister. So he wasn't as enthused. But uh, the announcements happen, right? And this announcement's a big one. And we always remember big announcements. In the world we live in, announcements uh, for birth and children is huge, right? We always are t- we're always trying to top different ways to be creative. And so I thought it'd be fun to show you 15 of the most creative ways that I've ever seen kids being announced. And people have sent cards out or have done things on social media and posts and pictures. And so here's a, here's a couple of those uh, uh, of the, the best uh, birth announcements that I've ever seen. Here's the first one. Uh, some folks have made this. It's going to come up on the screen there. Uh, it says, uh, then comes a baby. If you could put it on the back screen as well, that'll help. Then comes a baby. Uh, we got a wife here eating and a, a guy reading a book. Uh, I don't know what's more amazing is the fact that either she's eating that much or she's eating it in bed with white sheets. But then comes a baby. Here's another announcement that I've seen. This is, uh, blame it on the dog. Someone else to poop in the house coming September uh, 2014. The poor dog. And we always want to blame, we always kick the animals to the curb, don't we? Here's another one. Here's a good one. This one is uh, ba- uh, Days to Baby, 28187. Panic, panic again, and then practice on the cat. And you see the cat there with a diaper on. Uh, a lot of inhumane uh, treatment of animals in these pictures, but uh, practice on the cat. Here's another one. A oh, tax deduction. This is the best. Our latest tax deduction. There's a cute one. Uh, that's definitely not their first child because nobody claims tax deductions. Uh, nobody's excited about that until they actually have it. So tax deduction. Here's another one. Eviction notice. You've all seen this. If you're an older child, get out. Please note you're required to vacate the premises and there's a date there uh, for that child to get out of that crib. So that's another birth announcement, the eviction notice. There you go. This one, <laughs> this guy gets a lot of props. Here he had a professional picture taken. We're pregnant. And then his wife is throwing up in the background. So he's smiling. Uh, this is great. This guy's going to get a lot of points later. This wife didn't even know this was happening. Labor is great. And then he posts that on his social media. Poor guy. This is another one. Blame it on the dog. Someone else to blame the smell on. May 2014. Here comes another one. This one, I never, I didn't even get this one. This one was Ice Ice Baby. Now that I get it, that popular song from the 80s and 90s, Ice Ice Baby. And then here we go. This is a Farmham Wanted on the Way. So these people obviously do not know about child labor laws. They're just excited about having a child uh, to help work the farm. And then here we go. Next one is, uh, this is great. Lock up your sons. My daddy has guns. That's, that's precious. And then here we go. There's a child uh, in a bunch of uh, peanuts. Uh, they actually found out later that peanuts are toxic. So it's wonderful that they put the child in there with a little owner's manual uh, there to announce their baby's uh, birth. And here's another one coming up. This is a great, it's a gang symbol. This is for my friends still doing nine months on the inside and a child holding up a gang symbol. And then here, for those of you who love Bob Ross, there are no mistakes, just happy little accidents. That's Bob Ross painting a picture of a womb. And then here we go. This is my favorite. This is the last one. This is a, uh, this is a child getting a mug shot. So that child has a bright future ahead of him. Excited. But you want to top all those. Those are creative. I give it to those people. Those are very creative. You want to top all those. You want to top a birth announcement. Get some angels there. Huh? Get some angels there to come and and say, hey, we got a baby that just came, and then have a whole choir uh, come and sing, glory to God in the highest. That tops any birth announcement. It tops any birth announcement. And it's so creative because from the... People try to be creative since the beginning of time to come up with birth announcements, but nobody, nobody has ever topped that, have they? 
conversation in sparks. Anytime there's a Anytime there's a birth announcement, a conversation will ensue, and we know for a fact that angels come make a birth announcement. There's going to be a lot of conversation happening, isn't there? And then we come to that great song, Angels We Have Heard on High. And that's what that song is about. It's about that birth announcement. You know, as Pastor Barry alluded to, you see in your service sheets, we always put the, the dates of when every song was, was written. And we see right there that that song, Angels We Have Heard on High, was really written, uh, it says 1862. 1862. And uh, we, we see that from a, a guy named uh, James. And he wrote that song. But you've got to understand a little bit about Angels We Have Heard on High. In fact, while that was written in 1862, that was the English version. The French version was actually written in the early 1800s. So now we're backing up even further. See, now you've got a song where we're saying, whoa, we've been singing this song for a long time. 1800s, the French version, now we have the English version. There's been many modern day versions, but it goes back to, the Fr- uh, to France in 1800s. But it goes back even further than that to find out. Doing a lot of research this week, I realized that this song... Gloria in excelsis Deo, we already sang that phrase. That was actually issued a decree by the Pope in 130 AD. So now you're talking about a song that's not just old. We're talking about a song that's ancient. So 129, 130, Pope uh, Telephorus, he ordered all the churches, all the Catholic churches to have a, a special service on Christmas. And what they would do is they would read a certain portion of scripture. And after that certain portion of scripture, he would have the entire congregation, everyone was going to sing Gloria in Excelsis Deo, which is Latin for glory to God in the highest. And he had that order go, and what had happened was every church beyond that kept singing that song every Christmas Eve. In fact, we know it because the monks would go and teach that to the congreg- their congregations. I want you to think about Gloria in Excelsis Deo when you sing that song. We're going to sing it in a little bit. You're going to notice something about when you sing that, that the, the octaves are only about six notes. Every other song in, when you sing a Christmas carol goes up an octave or down an octave, an octave and a half, to really test someone's vocal range. But when you sing Gloria in Excelsis Deo, it's about six notes because that's what the monks were teaching because the monks had a very simplistic way of teaching and singing. It was a chant. So they would sing it. Hundreds and hundreds, now thousands of years. So if we look at Mary, Did You Know? We can say, well, that's a modern song written in 1900. We can look at Oh Little Town of Bethlehem written in 1800s. We can say, well, that's old. We can look at uh, Angels We Had Heard at High. We can go, that goes way back. That's, that's ancient. You say, well, how does that apply to us? It applies to us because what you need to realize is that people have been seeing glory to God in the highest for thousands of years. And no matter what's going on in the world around us, no matter how we look at the world or we think things are falling apart or we think there's no hope at all, people have been singing glory to God in the highest for thousands of years. And so when you sing that, you're joining with people before you singing that same song. And we can go back to the early 100s and realize that somebody wrote that. Somebody said, you know, we should sing that. And they probably were there or lived at the time when Jesus was walking on earth. That's how old that song goes. Glory to God in the highest. It's taken right from this passage that we just read. 
right from this passage. And we see this passage that was just read for us, and we see the shepherds. You know, I always think that you have these huge announcements coming. We have all these cards and social media things that we do to announce a child, and who does it go to first but shepherds, right? That would be like making this huge announcement, doing all those creative things, those posters of the announcements, and sending it to some farmer in the middle of a field somewhere. Except the difference is the farmers nowadays aren't looked at any different. They're they're unappreciated or looked at any different. Shepherds were. So you have this grandiose announcement going to shepherds. You see, in biblical times, shepherds were at the bottom of the social ladder. They weren't very skilled. They were kind of known to be dishonest. They were uh, unreliable. and They were, they, they were known to, to steal. In fact, they were so dishonest, they weren't even allowed to testify in court. And because they had to watch sheep 24 hours a day, seven days a week, they were always ceremonially unclean because they couldn't keep these man-made Sabbath rules. So they were always looked at the social, at the bottom of the social ladder. These shepherds who, who were kind of the lowest of low looked socially unclean. Nobody wanted to hang out with shepherds. Nobody wanted anything to do with the shepherds. But yet this angel comes, the angels come right to the shepherds. Angels we have heard on high. But the shepherds had some conversations after that. And when we look at the passage, if you have your Bibles or your service sheets, I encourage you to turn there. We first see from this that there was a realization from the shepherds that the message actually came. If you look at verse 2, it says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring good news of great joy that will be for all the people. So there is the realization of the message. The realization of the message. You know, God's desire to tell the shepherds is really fulfilling of Isaiah prophecy that comes from Isaiah 61. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim the good news. It says in Isaiah, to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. To proclaim freedom for the captives, release from darkness of the prisoners. We know time and time again as we look at the life of Christ that he came not for, the, not for the wealthy or the healthy. He came for the sick and the low, the people that were the outcasts of society. So it's fitting that he comes to a group of shepherds. He comes to a group of shepherds who, who really had not much hope. Didn't think life was going to get much better than that. The outcasts of society, the low, the people that maybe, I think of the shepherds, I think of man, must have thought they probably didn't make some very good decisions in life. Because nobody, not many people I would think would grow up saying, I want to be a shepherd, an outcast of society. It's interesting as we look around our culture today, as I talk with some people, I, I know many people feel like shepherds today. Not in their workplace, but feel like outcasts of society. Feel like there's not much hope there. It's been a long time, maybe it's you, a long time since you've seen any glimmer of hope in life. Long time since you've ever experienced any kind of joy. And you're just kind of going through the motions. You get up tomorrow, you're going to go to work tomorrow, and you're going to go throughout the week, and hopefully you just get through the weekend and you just keep going and moving. And that's the best it's going to get. For some of us, we feel like shepherds. Very little hope at all. I spoke to a, a man this few weeks ago who was dealing with a terminal illness for 10 years. He lost a lot of stuff in life. He lost his family. He lost his job. He's lost a lot of finances. He's not feeling very well. He wakes up sick. He wanted to come in and just talk. I said, come come on in. Just talk. 
He said, you know, this season is really hard. I'm lonely. I don't have many friends to talk to. Anybody who ever finds out that I have this disease kind of separates themselves. And so he was feeling a bit lonely. You know, and I expected, I knew him, I expected him to come in real sad and down. And I'm making him sound like he's really sad and down. But in fact, he came in with a smile on his face. He said, you know what? Despite everything I lost, despite the, the issues that I'm going through, I know that God's got a plan for me. And that's what gives me peace. That gives me more joy than anything else. And so that's what keeps me going every day. There's other people I know who have no peace, no joy, who say, you know, I'm looking forward to December 26th more than December 25th. I just want Christmas to be over. That's the message this morning's for you. Saying, hey, listen, there's no hope for me. That's what the shepherds dealt with. And they realize there's a message there. And then they realize what the reason is for that message. If you look at verse 11, the reason for the message is this. It says, today in the town of David, a Savior has been born. To you, he is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign you will find the babies wrapped in claws lying in a manger. Now, babies wrapped in claws isn't so strange. Lying in a manger is probably a little odd. And I'm sure that the shepherds were sparked conversation after that. Like, he's a savior? Savior of the world. What's he saving us from? You know, somebody once said, if our greatest need had been information, God would have sent us an educator. If our greatest need had been technology, God would have sent us a scientist. If our greatest need had been money, God would have sent us an economist. If our greatest need had been pleasure, God would have sent us an entertainer. But our greatest need was for forgiveness, so God sent a savior. That's why he says to Joseph and the angel, and you remember angel comes to Joseph in Matthew 1, Matthew 1, 21. Uh, the angel says, she will give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus because he will save the people from their sins, not save the people from their, their workplace, not save the people from the sickness that they have physically, not save them from the financial crisis, not save them from their marriage, not save them from their family. It's going to save the people from their sins. I want you to notice something about the shepherds. The shepherds had to take their sheep with them when they went to Bethlehem. And guess what happened? When they, after they left Bethlehem, they saw Mary and Joseph. Guess what happened? The sheep came back with them. They didn't, they, didn't, they didn't leave there and go, okay, we're not shepherds anymore. We're not on the bottom of the social ladder anymore. They came. They left on the bottom of the social ladder. They came back on the bottom of the social ladder. They, came, they went as shepherds. They came back as shepherds. They went poor. They came back poor. What's the point? The point is their circumstances didn't change, but their life did. And God didn't come to change your circumstances. He came to change your life. He came to change your heart. And so what happens is so many people at Christmas time. They'll come, and many people will. They'll come, and they say, you know what, I'm going to go to Christmas on Christmas Eve or, or Easter, and, and, and hopefully things will change. And then they get so frustrated. They go, you know what, I've been praying to God to change my situation. I've been praying to God to change my marriage or my wife or my children, praying to God to change my job, and it hasn't happened, so there must not be a God. And I say, listen, God's not here to change necessarily your situation, but he's here to change your heart. Your greatest need is not your job or your family or your marriage. Your greatest need is your need for a, free, a safe to forgive you of your sins. And that's what the shepherds realized. That's what, the, that's what the realization of the message actually was. That Jesus actually came to die. Die on the cross for us as a penalty for the sin that we have. You know, I, a few years ago, I went to a family gathering and we all have those, those crazy family moments. Uh, and I always like to tell people, if you don't have any crazy family stories, then you're the crazy family. But uh, we... I was at a family function, and uh, they had brought 
a friend of theirs to this family. It was Christmas um, lunch or dinner. And the, this sweet lady was sitting there, and I could tell that she didn't, you know, she knew as a pastor, she didn't uh, really know much about church or even Christ. And somebody had said at one point, you know, isn't Christmas great? And she said, you know, yes, I love Christmas. I love the fact that we're celebrating the fact that Jesus died. And I was eating dinner, and I went, that didn't sound right. Christmas is celebrating Christ's death. But then I actually thought about it more. She might have been wrong, but I actually think there's a little bit of truth to that. Because Christ came to be born to die, didn't he? And he came to change the situation. Didn't change the circumstance of the shepherds, but he changed their heart. And I can guarantee you, those shepherds, while they returned shepherds, they came back totally changed with a brand new peace, a brand new hope in their life. So that's the reason for the message. So they have the realization of the reason. Now they have the response. Look at verse 2, verse 15. It says, when the angels had left them and gone to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. They hurried off. Wouldn't it have been strange if the shepherd got this huge announcement from the angels, the biggest announcement, birth announcement of all time, after they heard about it, wow, a savior has come, he's going to change the world, and then they, after the angels left, they went, huh, that was weird. And they just stayed right there, and they had a conversation about the price of uh, sheep's wool. Like, hmm, that was strange. Never seen that before. No. They responded to the message, didn't they? They got up and they went. They actually went and followed what the angel... It wasn't just a matter of the message. People hear a message all the time. People may be... You may be in here for the first time going, we're hearing the message for the very first time. The, the key isn't whether or not you hear it. The, the question is whether or not you're going to respond to it. Last week, Ed was here and he talked about the response that we have. About admitting that we have sin, about believing in who Christ was and his work on the cross, that God sent his only son to die for us, then we commit our lives to him. See, it's not just enough to understand who Jesus was, understand he was born in a manger. The idea is the fact that we've got to go to him, we've got to come to him, we've got to seek him out, ask him to come into our own lives. I love what Matthew 11 says. Matthew 11 says, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Not all come to me who are weary and burdened, I'm going to change your circumstances, or I'm going to give you more money or change your jobs. I'm going to give you rest. That's what the shepherds found. They found rest because they realized, you know what, no matter how bad this life gets, that I have a hope in my heavenly Father who loves me so much despite the situation that I'm in. That's what the shepherds found. That's what my hope and prayer that you feel. That's not just about hearing the message. It's about understanding who he is and responding to him. And it does take an act of response on our part to say, Lord Jesus, I understand you did come for me, that you did die for me. My life is a mess. I can't fix it. But I want that hope to be with you here on this earth and forever when I die. That's the response. You know, I, I always wondered why why he was born in a stable. I understand the shepherd's part of it. I understand that he went to the shepherds first because that was the prophecy. I always wondered about the stable part of it. Why a stable? Why not? Why couldn't have been born in a nice inn or a a nice house? And I I guess I kind of realized that maybe perhaps Jesus, God's only son, was born in a stable to give hope to people whose lives look like one. Kind of a mess. 
kind of sneaky place, a place you don't want to invite people in. So me were thinking, boy, I hope people don't find out about my stuff in my closet, the people what I'm really like outside of Sunday mornings. My actions stink. I've been trying to make uh, good in this life, but I've been making a mess of it, whether it's with my family, whether it's with my job, whether it's just my own life, the addictions I have. And I, and I think Jesus realizes when he, when he, when he's born in a stable, it, it was, it's a reminder that, that it's not about how bad your life is, that he came for people just like you. And then he has some amazing words for you. God has some amazing words for you. I bring you good news of great joy. A savior has been born. I was born, Jesus says, to be in, in lives like yours, in messes like you have. Because I love you. I see something special in you. And you can go through life saying, man, I've messed this up. Jesus could never love me. Remember when you sing this song that Jesus loves you because he was born in a stable. And he went to shepherds, the lowest of low, the people who needed him the most. Oh, my hope is that you, you respond to him like the shepherds did and move. Then we have a great reaction as well. You know, it's wonderful that many of us who know and love the Lord, we've responded to him because we realized the message, but the reaction that the shepherds had was even greater too. They went, in verse 17, when they'd seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they heard and seen. There's the reaction. They didn't just keep it to themselves. They went. They went and had conversations with everybody around them because of this great message. They weren't going to be able to change their lives, just like they didn't change their own jobs. But they went around and said, praising God, glory to God in the highest because of this message they heard, glorifying and praising God. Because of this child who was going to be their savior. That's the reaction they had. The conversation they had with many people. And as Marcus begins to play, we are going to sing angels we have heard on high. It's not in your service sheets. But I asked Pastor Marcus if, if, he, would, if he would play this for us so we can sing it. I always think it's great to be able to teach on something and hear a message and then we're able to respond to it. But I want you to think about the words that you are about to sing. In verse 1 of Angels We Have Heard on High, we have that realization of a message, don't we? But I want you to see this. I've, I've sung this song a hundred times and I didn't realize it until this week that this song too is a conversation. It's a conversation between shepherds and angels, a response, and it follows that same pattern. There's a realization, there's the reason, then there's the reaction to the message. Verse 1 says this, it says, angels we have heard on high, sweetly singing o'er the plains, and the mountains in reply echo back their joyous strains, glory to God in the highest. They always think of something echoing, you couldn't make an echo if you weren't shouting loud enough. That's the realization of the message they had. So there's the, there's the shepherds saying, angels we have heard on high, sweetly singing o'er the plains. And then the, the angels come back in response in verse 2. In verse 2 they say this, shepherds, why this jubilee? Why your joyous strains prolong? What the glad tidings be which inspire your heavenly song? Why are you so joyful? And the shepherds give the response back in verse 3 says this, come to Bethlehem and see him whose birth the angels sing, come adore 
On bended knee, we bow before him because he is our Lord, our Savior. That's the response that we have. Christ the Lord, the newborn King. And then verse 4, the reaction to go, have everybody come along, join us. See within the manger lay, whom the choirs of angels praise. Mary, Joseph, lend your aid while all our hearts in love we raise. It's a conversation. And I love it because it a conversation we might need to have with people around us. Maybe it's a conversation that you need to have with your own family about who this Jesus is. Maybe for the first time as you sing this, you're going to realize that, you know what, it's not about my circumstances or my, my situation changes. It's just about my own life, my own heart saying, you know what, I need some hope. And the hope's not going to come in material things. It's going to come from my heavenly Father who sent us son. That's angels we have heard on high. Let me ask you to stand. We're going to sing this song. And then we're going to, I'm going to come back and mention one other thing. And then we're going to sing our closing song together. But I want you to sing this song with, with joy. Not down, not sad. Like you've sung it for the hundredth time. But sing it because you know that thousands and thousands of people for thousands of years have sung this song. Pastor Marcus, would you lead us?
sing that song a little differently now as we go throughout the rest of our world. Knowing that it's a conversation that we just sang. It's a conversation that you're going to have. It's a conversation that people have been talking about. You now need to have that conversation with other people. You know, I love what happened with the shepherds. This is still known to this day. See, the shepherds on Christmas Eve, after that time, after that Pope administered that that decree in Excelsius Deo, what they would do is they would stand on hilltops on Christmas Eve and shout, Gloria in Excelsius Deo. Glory to God in the highest. And the next shepherd on the next hill would then yell it to the next shepherd on the following hill. And what it was doing was a conversation with the shepherds, passing that hope along that no matter what the situation is, we keep passing that hope to other people. My hope is that you do the same. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for today. Thank you that we can sing that song with hearts full of gratitude and praise. Lord, help us to have that conversation with others. Spark such a great conversation. And Lord, I pray that you be with that one, maybe two people in here who have never experienced that hope and have sung that for the first time, saying, you know what, I want to have that hope. I want to have that same joy, that same peace in my own life. It's as simple as praying the prayer, saying, dear Lord Jesus, I understand that I am a sinner in need of a Savior. A Savior. Someone to to die for my sins. Lord, I, I want you to come in and wipe me clean of that sin. I put my faith and hope and trust in you. I commit to you, Lord Jesus. Lord, I thank you for saving me. And Lord, I thank you for the fact you did come for us. You knew our greatest need. So help us as we sing this last song to be full of joy. And as we leave this place, that we can share this conversation that we need to have with other people about your birth and the reason that you came. And I ask all this in your precious name.